This podcast is brought to you by the Albany Public Library, main branch, and the generosity of listeners like you. What is a podcast? God, Daddy, these people talk as much as you do. Razib Khan's unsupervised learning. You know that genetics plays a huge role in our health, and more people are using genetic testing to determine risk for diseases like cancer for themselves and their kids than ever before. So I want to tell you about ORCID. It's the only company that does whole genome testing for embryos, testing before your child is born. If you're doing IVF, this is a clear choice now because now you can reduce risk for thousands of single gene disorders, including heritable forms of autism, pediatric cancers, and birth defects. Check them out at orchidhealth.com. Hey, everybody. It's Razib here, and I am here with Carl Ja, uh, a friend of mine who I have been recording podcasts with Carl on and off probably for about five years now. Um, we have talked mostly about China and East Asia, uh, talked about genetics, economics, geopolitics, and obviously things have changed geopolitically uh, with um, America, the U.S., relationship with China, I think since, you know, Carl and I started talking in 2018 uh, extensively. So I, I do want to address that. Um, and, but first, I, I actually want to talk about changes in Carl's life as well. Um, you know, he's bounced around a little bit as we've been talking, whereas I have been stable in Austin, Texas since 2016. So, you know, I'm the, you know, I, I'm definitely uh, Ill, relatively immobile compared to him. But um, I do want to say- weird. Keep Austin weird. <laughs> I, 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 do, I do keep Austin weird. Um, so Carl has the Silk and Steel podcast, and I bet I was on the Silk and Steel podcast once talking about genetics, wasn't I? Yes, yes. because you because you had a, 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 and he's on Twitter, and I'll put the links there for people who want to check him out. Um, Carl, kind of, I don't know, I, I don't know how to like you know represent your positionality. You kind of try to interpret um, China, Chinese culture for other people that um, you know might be kind of skeptical sometimes. And, you know, I know you had some um, debates uh, that are, you know, I don't want to say polemical, but maybe a little oppositional when you're on one side, someone else is on the other side. I don't like to do that with you mostly because, you know, you know, I think of you as your friend and um, whatever disagreements we have, like whatever, um, I'm mostly trying to learn from your perspective and your viewpoint. And, you know, I feel like stupid when I, I don't ever say the thing, uh, you know, um, that people say now, I normally disagree with, or I don't agree with everything, because you know, honestly, I don't agree with everything about anybody. So I don't give those sorts of uh, disclaimers, and you know, obviously, but I mean, that's why I don't say that with you. And you know, I know people are like, oh, like you know, Carl is, uh, you know, uh, a China guy who always takes the side of China. Like, whatever, there are people who take the side of the United States. So I don't. It is what it is, right? Um, but I want to ask um, Carl real quickly. Um, you're in Bali. Yes. Um, and you are married to a Balinese woman and you have a child. Um, so you are, um, you know, you're, you're global person, you're creating a global family. Um, and, uh, that's, that's part of who you are. I mean, that's, obviously that's why I think we have a friendly relationship, you know, as opposed to just a professional relationship, because we do relate in that way where, um, no matter, even though I am, um, I don't want to say, it feels a little cringe to say proud American, but I'm unapologetic. Um, even if, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't usually talk about this on the podcast, but you know, like I, I try to be a realist about American history and what America does in the world, but America is my country. So, I mean, that's just a fact that affects 
the way I view things and the way I interpret things, even if I, you know, have another part of me that can like pull myself out of being an American, right? Um, so Razib is all not- American. Razib is all American. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you guys, uh, you guys uh, who are listening are not going to see this, but I have red, white, and blue face paint right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So, Carl, you are um, you're in Bali, and uh, so I, I guess my first question here is, um, you know, my ex boss Spencer Wells, he lives in Lombok now. So, uh, I, you know, and I, I, ha- I had Indonesian friends um, in the past, so I know a little bit about Indonesia. So, let me just for the listener and the viewer. Um, you know, people out there, you know, Indonesia, obviously, you know, the stylized fact is the world's largest Muslim country uh, in population wise, you know, it's size. It is as wide as the lower 48 of the United States, even though it's land area is lower because mostly our islands, it's archipelago, right? The big islands that most people know, Java. Well, actually, Americans don't know, but there's Java, <laughs> the Borneo, Kalimantan, um, and there's Sumatra, uh, Sulawesi, and then there's some smaller islands that keep going out west towards uh or east towards Timor, Bali is part of that. Bali is the first one, and then I think there's Lombok. Um, and so the issue with Indonesia being a Muslim country is a little weird because it is not a Muslim country like Pakistan is a Muslim country, an Islamic republic, because it's not an Islamic republic. Um, it has an ideology that centers monotheism, which was kind of a nod to Islam, and other religions have to go along with that. It's not really a secular country. It does you know, have God. Um, as part of the constitution, but um, you know it's multi-religious, even though it's ninety percent or so Muslim. Um, Bali, where you live, uh, is Hindu. Um, they are, you know, it's a Hindu island. It's a ninety-plus percent Hindu island, and there are people in Java who are also Hindu, particularly in East Java. Uh, there's a Hindu minority, and there are Javanese who are Hindu. Um, and um, you know, it was Java was a predominantly um, the elite, at least a Hindu civilization. Until the 16th century, um, late 16th century, when it was conquered by uh, Muslim sultanates uh, that were tied to the Indian Ocean Islamic trade networks. Um, and so, you know, this goes back to the you know, conquest of uh, Mahajapit by Mataram, et cetera, et cetera. You guys can go on Wikipedia and look at that. It's like super interesting. But so you have this part of the world, uh, Indonesia, which has an indigenous, um, many indigenous cultures. So Javanese culture is different than Sudanese culture is different than Balinese culture is different than Batak culture, et cetera, et cetera. There is no singular Indonesian ethnicity, even if there's an Indonesian nation state with Bahasa Indonesian as a unifying language, which is related to the Malay language. But, um, you know, they have a layer on top of it, which is Indic influenced. And that is, you know, the Hindu Buddhist uh, culture. Some of some of these some of these um, kingdoms were, were Buddhist, like um, Srivijaya which is basically on the Straits of Malacca in central Sumatra today, uh, Malaysia. And then you have the Hindu kingdoms that tended to be in Java. But there are also Hindu temples, like the, I think the Bahadur Temple Complex in Java. So it's really complicated. Zooming into Bali, Bali is, you know, the Balinese say that, you know, their elite are fleeing princes from Java. And I think there's some genealogical history to that. But it's basically a culture that kind of shows you what Indonesian, what Javanese culture maybe might have been in some ways before the arrival of Islam, uh, transformed it in in many ways. Um, talk about um, why you chose Bali and how you fit in. And I know there are Chinese uh, who live in Bali. And in fact, I've read that during the riots, I think they were in the late, two, late 90s and in the 2000s. 
um, and maybe somewhat later uh, with the Chinese Indonesians. Chinese Indonesians often went to Bali because there was less tension between the Balinese and the Chinese than between uh, the Muslim ethnicities in Java and other places. Could you talk a little bit about that? I've been talking for a while, so. Okay, sure. Um, I came to Bali entirely by accident. Well, no, not by accident because I wanted to surf. My my buddies, my surf buddy back in Huntington Beach had told me, you know, Carl, if you want to surf, you got to check out Bali. There's only one problem. If you go there, you will not want to come back. And he's absolutely right because, you know, just first few days after I, I when I came to Bali uh, back, back then, you know, you don't need a visa to visit Bali as a as a American passport holder. Uh, but I got a visa on arrival just in case at the airport, so I have the option to extend for one more month. And uh, a few days after I landed in Bali, I was uh, surfing in uh, Changu, and I was just trying trying to make friendly conversations at Surfline and ask people, oh, you know, how long you been there. I expect them to say, you know, I got here last week. Uh, but they're like six years. I'm like, whoa, how do you do that? It, that possibility never opened up to me. Uh, they say, oh, it's easy. You just do visa rounds. You go to Singapore for a day, you come back, or you go to Kuala Lumpur. And so that started plant a seed. And so I have been doing visa rounds. And then I met my wife just before the pandemic. Um, and so after that, you know, I make this long story short. I, I I put down my roots. Now I'm married. I have a I have a child. I have a, I right now I build a new house. I'm I'm talking to you from my new house right off the beach. I can see the ocean from where I'm 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 sitting right now. And so life is good. And and as you say, ba, uh, Indonesia is is huge. A lot of people don't realize this because. Uh, um, Mechador, Mechador projection, that's how you say it. Um, the, the, the Mechador projection makes the Mercator, I think it's Mercator. Mercator, Mercator, Mercator right? thank you. Yeah, thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it does, yeah, it does the distortion, the flattening, and it, all the tropical countries are tiny. Africa is like the size of Greenland, that sort of thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But so if you actually take, the, take Indonesia, superimpose it onto the map of Europe, Indonesia basically will stretch from the city of London all the way to the border of Afghanistan. That's how huge Indonesia is. It's basically a continent unto itself. And and it has many islands, so it has many different cultures. It's actually the world's fourth largest populous country after United States. So, of course, number one and two is India and China. Number three is United States, and number four is Indonesia. But Indonesia is often overlooked, in, you know, because I don't know, like, it's, I mean, Americans overlook a lot of things, but Southeast Asia in particular almost doesn't exist outside of Vietnam War or maybe the American adventure in the Philippines. And and yeah, I, I was actually didn't know much about Bali or Indonesia in general. You know, I know about the the uh, the riot in 1998 you know that impacted uh particularly uh, indonesian chinese community i know i know about the coup in 1965 uh that led to you know the slaughter that led to the purge of the indonesian communist party which at then was a war the third largest communist party in the world behind soviet union and china and they were all wiped out. Millions of them all got killed. Um, a lot of tourists don't know this, but there were so many people killed 
in the islands of Bali, a lot of their bodies were dumped on, in mass graves in the beach. So a lot of the tourist spot right now in in in, uh, in Bali, like when the you know in Seminyak and and Changu, those places, a lot of time when the developers nowadays trying to build new new tourist villas, they would dig up bodies. And I actually had a conversation with my neighbor, Balinese neighbor. You know, he was joking. He was talking about polygamy because you know polygamy is legal in. Uh, in, in indonesia and he was uh work because we both have children he was so oh back in the day it's so much easier you know you, ha- you have multiple wives you know you have uh, your wives to take to run to take you have different wives to assign to different tasks uh you know so i know he's joking but he said oh then he he said you know that it's because back in my my father's days back in the 60s there's some political problem a lot of men died so a lot of there's a lot of widows became available so that that's why they were able to have multiple wives so so i know he was referring to the 1965 coup and it's kind of uh still a little bit sensitive subject uh, because it it led to basically 30 years of military dictatorship under suharto and suharto's overthrow in the asian financial crisis of 1998 that uh, actually that led to the anti-Chinese program in uh, in the capital Jakarta and some of the islands so, and, and some parts of Java. Um, but I would say the the Balinese, the, the Chinese in on Bali are actually a very very well integrated. Um, I've been to my wife took me to a temple. Uh, like a Chinese Buddhist temple uh, in Bali. Uh, it was originally built by these early Chinese immigrants, but it's very, um, like, the, the, the feel is very Southeast Asian. Like, it, there's, like, obviously a blending of cultures. And, in fact, um, one of the Balin- enduring Balinese legend, legend is about a Balinese king who married a Chinese princess. And every year they would hold festivals um, you know, to celebrate their unions, there, you know, like the, 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 the Balinese king is replim is like, uh, is represented by this, uh, effigy, uh, painting in black and the, the Chinese princess is painting all white. And, and this is like a legend that everybody knows. And, um, there's actually a temple dedicated to her. I, my, my wife also took me there. Um, so it's, it's a very fascinating, um, very fascinating culture because they're very, much keep their tradition alive um like you know they have religious holidays all the time all kind of hindu religious festivals and your my wife's family they are obligated basically to travel back to their home village to celebrate the the festival with the village so it's like a, a very communal event and i go to all of them and and it's great i mean i like i really like the the the, the, how how well preserved their their uh, traditional culture is. All right, so uh, you mentioned really quickly the Chinese Indonesians, um, yeah. and a lot a lot of the listeners are not going to know this, so I'm just going to like uh, point it out. You know, there are a couple of percent. You know, it's kind of like vague, like what the numbers are, but at least a couple of percent of Indonesia's population. So that's a lot of millions of people because there's like what 270 million people or something in Indonesia. Okay. So there's like a lot of Chinese Indonesians. Um, they tend to, I mean, I'm not saying they control the economy, but they run a lot of the economy. Um, they're a market dominant minority. One of Amy Chua's, you know, example, I mean, the overseas Chinese in Southeast Asia tend to occupy this position in different countries. Um, and then their relationship to the majority differs from country to country, like in Malaysia, kind of like, 
separate multiculturalism thing going on in Thailand. They're very well integrated. Um, Indonesia, they're more separate is what I would say. Um, probably because of religion issue. Religion. Uh, Islam. Yeah. yeah. Chinese people eat pork. Just, you know, for people who don't know that, <laughs> that means that there's generally a separation with Muslim groups that there isn't with, say, Buddhist groups, like in places like Thailand or in Vietnam, where Vietnam, I mean, Vietnam is, I mean, it's a Sinic country. It's not Chinese, but it's Sinic. So, you know, the Vietnamese Chinese are definitely like integrated in a way that would not be possible in, I don't know, say Sumatra, say Aceh, to give you an example, right? Um, so, and you are, you know, I mean, obviously you're ethnically Chinese, you're Han Chinese, but I mean, you're not really Chinese Indonesian, you're an expat, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so, like, how do you? Um, I'm just kind of curious now. How do you integrate or interact with the Chinese Indonesians in Bali? Because a lot of them must not. They don't well, know I mean, Mandarin. Probably is, they probably don't just, know Chinese. You know, like my wife can or tell who is Chinese, who is not. But I, I, I can't really. I mean, and 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 also, I'm I'm uh, because I surf, so I, I get I get very tan. Uh, a lot of times, people just assume I'm Indonesian. They will speak Bahasa Indonesia to me. And then as soon as I open my mouth, they will know I'm not Indonesian. And uh, so my, um, you know, I, 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 for a lot of the shops, surprisingly, a lot of the um, Chinese, on, because Bali is a tourist island. So a lot of uh, Chinese on Bali speak somewhat, uh, a little bit Mandarin, as opposed to elsewhere. Because uh, under Suharto, after the 1965 coup, after the military dictator uh, Suharto came to power, Chinese language school was banned in Indonesia. Chinese name, Chinese festivals was all banned. So a lot of Ch Chinese Indonesians that kept a low profile. And there's a whole generation of Chinese Indonesian grew up without going to Chinese school. So the only language is, you know, uh, either Bahasa Indonesia or whatever the local language, you know, maybe Javanese. Uh, by the way, you know, 60% of the population in Indonesia live on the island of Java, but the 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 the, lang the official language of Indonesia, Bahasa Indonesia, is actually not Javanese. They they per they intentionally chose this uh, basically essentially an old trading language that was used in trade. That's why it's very similar to Malay. So they can unite all the people of all the different ethnicity across uh, of Indonesia archipelago, and so so everybody learns Bahasa Indonesia in schools, but in in their own house and their own village they still so so in Bali for example people speak Balinese, right? And and so anyway, so a lot of uh, only older generation of Indonesian Chinese who may have gone to Chinese schools before 1965, they still retain somewhat a uh, skill of Mandarin because a lot of uh, Indonesian immigrant to Indonesia, traditionally, they didn't come from Mandarin speaking regions of China. They came from southeastern uh, part of China, mostly from the island of, uh, I mean, not the island, of the province of Fujian. Um, and, and so they speak Hokkien. Hokkien is uh, the, the the, the, the Fujian dialect for Fujian uh, and they speak Hokkien. And, and so for to learn Mandarin, they had to go to like Mandarin schools to learn how to speak Mandarin. And that was the way that was done in Malaysia, in Singapore, etc. But in Indonesia, they got cut off after 1965. And the, the, after 1998, after this military dictatorship was overthrown, now the Chinese religious festival, Chinese language school are allowed to reopen. 
Um, so, you know, I, my first year in Bali, I live in this neighborhood. There were several Chinese Indonesian families, you know, the little girl, I, 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 the little, there was a little Chinese Indonesian girl. She was actually listening to, um, Chinese rap. <laughs> Chinese rap called Made in China. I was I was pleasantly surprised by that because uh, one reason, of course, is because of rise of China. So so it's actually became uh, uh, like the the language guild became very marketable. Um, you know, I have another Indonesian Chinese tour guide. Her his clientele is mostly tourists from mainland China, um, and 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 the, the people in Bali they're very very multilingual. You know, because of the tourism, many of them speak multiple languages. You know, English, French, Italian, Spanish, uh, Japanese, and now many of them speak Korean because a lot more Koreans come in. Now they're learning Mandarin. So it's uh, but this is also why my excuse for not improving my Bahasa Indonesia because <laughs> I just get by by speaking English most of the time, um, except when I go to like uh, Chinese Indonesian shops and then my, my wife encouraged me to speak Mandarin hope, in hoping to get a discount. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Um, so, I mean, I guess, um, let me, like, the last question, let me, uh, before, you know, we're, we're going on to China, yeah. but I want to ask you about Bali. Um, so you're married to a Balinese woman. Uh, your your son is half Balinese. Um, and you have an American passport? Yes, I do. Yeah. So, so your son uh, is an American, he can, he can be an American citizen. So, yeah. So Indonesia, unfortunately, just like China, do not allow dual citizenship. So what happened is, uh, uh, you know, my in case of my son, he gets American citizenship from me and he gets Indonesian citizenship from his mother. Uh, so he will have dual citizenship until he's 18. So when he reaches 18, he has to choose. He ha- can only choose one passport. Um, of course, in, in case of Indonesia, most people in that situation chose a foreign passport. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens in 18 years. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> because yeah, one of fair. the... Yeah, one of the caveat is the Indonesians, the Indonesian government, they do not allow foreigners to own land, right? So you know, all the land, all the the house, everything here is under my wife's name, right? Because I'm a, I'm a foreigner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have friends. Um, I have a friend actually. He's lived in America. He's lived in the U.S. since he was eight. Uh, Japanese, and he actually is still a green card holder mm-hmm. because he has. Uh, he is he's the only grandchild of his grandmother mm. and she has a fair amount of land. And so he's going to inherit that land. So he keeps his Japanese citizenship for that reason. Um, he might sell it and then he could get American, but anyway, he's, she's still around. So he's got to keep the Japanese citizenship until then. Cause otherwise it, they don't know who it's going to go to because he's the only one who could inherit. That's a, that's a Japanese citizen. Um, so Indian, so Bali is, it's a Hindu Island it has a distinctive Hindu culture, um, but you know it's also you know related to to Javanese culture, yep. um, and also just just for people to understand, Indonesia is kind of like a it, it's um it's not like a typical Muslim nation in some ways. Like a lot of the people have names that, that are Muslim uh, that are not Arabic or obviously you know Persianate or Turkic in any way. Uh, they are indigenous type names. Some of them have 
Indic names, you know, and so there's like a hot overlay of Sanskritic influence. And some of it is actually genetic. There was migration 2000 years ago. People don't really understand, like there's legends about it, but all through Southeast Asia, you see this evidence of these Indian migrants that showed up. Um, so there's that influence there um, that connects it with the rest of Indonesia. And also in Indonesia, I mean, it's not necessarily socially, um, you know, looked positively upon, but Muslims can convert to Christianity or Hinduism if they want to. They can convert to other religions. Whereas in a lot of Islamic nations, that's literally illegal, right? Or in Malaysia, it's literally illegal. Uh, you can't, you cannot be a Muslim and become a non-Muslim, at least legally. Um, obviously, people can have their own beliefs and whatever. It's a modern country, right? If my, uh, so my brother-in-law, he's, he's Hindu, right? He's grow up in a Hindu family. His girlfriend is Muslim because they met uh, while in university in Java. And so if you they were to get married, one of them have to convert. <laughs> that's just that's just a rule. Yeah. Uh and uh, yeah. yeah yeah yeah. So so this uh, because um they uh they don't like uh they don't really recognize atheism in Indonesia. You have to believe yeah. in one form of religion. Like uh yeah. you know uh the the Balinese Hindu they fought to uh, made Hinduism a, a recognized religion in um, in 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 Indonesia because originally, like the Indonesia, they run under the Pancasila uh, ideology, which uh, means five principles, and the number one principle is believe in the one and only God. And so, so that, then the the Hindus and the and I, I guess the Confucians, they, they, they fought really hard to, to get their class, religion, like, uh, you know, okay under the principle. Uh, but, but yeah, so like in, in here, it's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, I say the, only, the, the biggest difference you will see is, um, uh, it, how do I say it? It's, uh, it's, it, it's, Bali is still a very religiously conservative uh, island. I mean, it's a very conservative Hindu island. But, you know, women, they can still wear shorts, you know, <laughs> sleevesless shirt and stuff like that. But, like, uh, it might be different in, say, rural Java. Because when my, when my wife, she told me she, when she went to visit her brother, who was studying at university in, in rural East Java, Java, um, she like she was wearing shorts and her brother got, got alarmed. So like, no, 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 don't don't go out wearing shorts. You know, people will think you're a whore. <laughs> and, and so there's that kind of difference. Uh, but yeah, in general, Bali is relatively more open because the Balinese people, they rely on tourism. So they are very strict on, you know, what their women folks can or cannot do, but they don't care if the outsiders, you know, like the outsiders, if you are, you are Europeans, yeah. Americans, or, or even Islanders from other Indonesian islands, they don't give a, they don't give a fuck. They don't care. Yeah. 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 That, that makes sense. I mean, that, that's a common thing. So, um, you know, it's, uh, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a Hindu Island and, um, are they, I mean, I think it's a stupid question, but I want to ask. It's like, are they very self-conscious in terms of being distinctive in this Muslim nation as Hindus? Um, like, you know, is it uh, an issue where they're like, you know, they don't want to be overwhelmed, for example, by, I don't know, people from Java or, you know, Lombok uh, that are Muslim? Um, do they want to maintain kind of not be replaced as, you know, I mean, because it's a big country and there's like hundreds of millions of people. If enough people move into move into Bali, it's not going to be Hindu Bali, right? 
Um, I don't think there's that kind of urgency just because Bali is still very predominantly Hindu. I mean, there have been Muslim pro- presence for like hundreds of years, uh, but the, the, the local Muslims are pretty well integrated. Um, nowadays, there are more uh, job seekers who come to Bali because the, to work in the tourism industry. Um, but, you know, if you grow up in Bali in the in the villages, I mean, it's it's really hard to say that you're kind of there's any kind of threat, because, like I said, the Balinese Hinduism is very much. Uh, a live religion you know people's you know there's religious festivals all the time and and you always require to go back to your home village to celebrate with your family with your community uh yeah I, so i don't think if you grow up in bali you know it's like it's like almost a self-contained world almost i mean you you still like people here they're very proud indonesians you know i mean like they also watch television, so so obviously they understand that Indonesia is a Muslim nation. But I don't feel the sense that people feel like they're under their existence, that have lived under any kind of existential threat because, uh, yeah, the Balinese Hinduism is very much alive and it's very much dominant uh, in all walks of life here. All right. So um, let's let's pivot a little bit. Like first, I want to talk about genetics, um, mostly because you know we've talked about a little bit this a uh, little bit about this, and I've done uh, done podcasts on Chinese genetics, and I've written about Chinese genetics. Um, I guess I, I think in a way, since the, I first started talking to you about this again, like five years ago, we have we've been having discussions, and you know, China is a it's a genomic superpower. Um, you know, with BGI and whatnot, um, the Chinese actually uh, have been doing national surveys and genetic analyses, uh, mostly for biomedical purposes. Um, so it's uh, there's a rich vein of data now to tap into to understand how the Han Chinese relate to their national minorities and how they relate to the neighboring peoples. And, um, you know, one of the things that I have said, uh, a little bit, you know, it's a little bit shocking in a way how, um, you know, there's 1.4 billion Han um, you know, they're over 90% of the population in uh, the People's Republic of China, uh, how, you know, relatively coherent they are as an, you know, eth- ethnicity, uh, because, you know, China is the size of the low, it's size of the United States. Uh, it's bigger than the lower 48, but Alaska, I think, you know, puts the U.S. over top, right? But um, obviously, mostly we're talking China proper, the eastern you know, half or so. But even then, you know, it's a big country. You know, you go from people like in Guangdong.